0: I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV
1: talk. Now, let the buzz begin.
0: Hey everyone, I am Rachel Goodman and I'm here with the amazing panelists. We're gonna talk about the beard on the great episode <laughs> two. Uh, yeah, lots of beards to talk about. Um, but with me today, we've got Empress Tori.
1: Hello, hello. So eager to join this panel.
0: And we've also got revolutionary and free-thinking Cody.
2: Hello, everybody.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So before we dive in, um, just be sure to stay tuned until the end because we do have some news and we're going to do our predictions. I'm going to dive right in. Um, We had like right up at the front of this episode. um, It's called The Beard. We have definitely... A bit of a sandwich in that it ends with the beard or begins with the beard and ends with the beard, um, and we have this idea metaphorically that the beard is representative of everyone in their ability to have free will. So, with that being said, um, let's start up at the top. Um, we we kind of enter, we see how things are with um, Peter and Catherine, and it is not looking great. Um, We meet Georgina and, well, not meet her, but see her again, rather. Um, And we just kind of dive a little bit more into the nature of that relationship. Tori, up front, when we see, we had some predictions last episode. This episode, what did you think of how Catherine was acting at the top and like the first portion of what we were watching?
1: um it kind of just spoke to the predictions that we just gave like an hour ago I was like okay <laughs> not necessarily that she had a um a plan in development yet but I knew that she was kind of learning I don't want to say learning the game but basically like she was just kind of learning how to navigate this situation that she's in and you can see like in her mind that she was trying to figure out how to use this in her advantage in some certain way so I was like she won't figure this out and I'm here for it
0: Awesome. And Cody, what did you think of um, what, how Catherine was acting in the beginning?
2: Um, I felt very um, on-brand. I'm glad that she's, um, she's, she's, what's she's learning to play the game of this throne. (laughs) Not to, but (laughs) But I didn't want to like say (laughs) it or I didn't want that to be, but like it was coming out of my mouth. I'm like, "Mm," she's learning to play the game. And, and it's it makes it exciting. Um it, it but then it also like hurts to see her like sacrificing herself to like achieve the greater good. But I'm it's it's exciting. It's an exciting show for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and they they are not messing around. It's literally like last episode, Marielle's like, Hey, you need to we can devise a way to kill him. And this episode, Marielle and, and Kath are like, so how are we gonna do it? <laughs> and <laughs> very quickly on what they decide is that they're gonna get, they're going to try to enlist the help of Orlo, um, which I loved. And I love this idea, like he's, I think he's my favorite character. Um, Just the fact that one, I love that we have this man who, um, you know, typically in in film, I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but typically in the past, um, the way that the media has portrayed males, they are supposed to be a certain way. And I love when we get males um, that are not, that do not fit this view of the way that the media has in the historically portrayed men. Um, And we get to see that people are not all one one shape, really, for lack of a better word, in terms of how Orlo is and the fact that he is such a free thinker. We can see that he does not want to agree with Peter when we see this this council meeting at the beginning. And um, we meet the man with the beard, Rostov, And we see that Orlo really doesn't want to do these things and he's against what Peter stands for, but that we also know this is a man who has survived for 10 years at court and to survive under Peter III, that says a lot about what you're willing to do in terms of survival. So Tori, we get the scene with Rostov, um, we get the beard, which is the namesake of the episode, what did you think of this moment? And what did you think of Orlo and how he was reacting um, to this?
1: Um, it, was, it was, I know this is a satire, but in a way it was so uncomfortable to watch because, I mean, that's something that we now in society, nobody thinks twice, especially um, in the circumstances that we're in. A lot of people are shaving their uh, beards, growing their hair out, doing whatever they want. And so something that you realize you don't even have to second guess is now you're seeing it on the screen and you have to walk up to the emperor and ask permission to keep your beard it just seems so ridiculous. It just, like, it almost seems, like, ugh, like, unheard of, even though we know that it is. Like, these things happen all the time. So it was kind of like, geez, like, this is very unfortunate because this is just solely on the opinion of Peter. Like, all of the decisions are made by him because, you know, this huge emperor, yes, that's how power works. But um, it definitely, you definitely have to see the dynamic of the, um, Would it be the court as a whole? Just how, like you said, everybody is so willing to just survive and whatever that means for them. If that means agreeing, if that means um, opposing someone else, if that means just not saying anything, you just have to, I think it's interesting to see which one each person values more, whether it's their own lives or their own thoughts. And unfortunately in this situation they have to choose between the two. And I think this scene just kind of showed where everybody fit into that spectrum.
0: Yeah, and that's what I love about the show is that it's very allegorical in terms of what we are going through in today's society. And that's that's what I think the point is, is not necessarily to be historically accurate, but to show us without, without people don't like it when you criticize them directly. And so this is indirectly criticizing what we do have and trying to show how ridiculous it is that, you know, obviously no one is telling, the, the reality is, uh, No one, it does sound ridiculous, whether someone can have a beard or not have a beard, but the beard is so representative of free will and freedom. Mm -hmm. And so we see Orlo kind of going through the notions in the process and trying to figure out what, you know, how he can survive in this new changing climate. Now, as all this is happening, we get Catherine, who is advocating for someone like Orlo to help her. Cody, what did you think of the what we were seeing with Catherine in this episode? So obviously at first she's tr- she's just being herself, but then we start to see a shift. What do you think of all of that?
2: Um, I think it's smart. I think it's strategic of her. Um, it's ironic that she's trying to plan to kill him, and then five minutes later he's saying, "I'm just going to kill her. I don't want this anymore." But then it's clear that she has allies because. There are at least a couple people, at least a few people in the court, in the palace, how view it? that are like, hey, be careful, he wants you dead. Or um, the man, the guy, I'm not good with his name, it's going to take me a minute to remember everybody's name, but the, the minister or the priest person. Archibald. Archibald. He's like, he's like, I just got a vision from God that blah, blah, blah. And she's like, all right, I'll be happy. And it's, she's. It's kind of like what we said like we we said last episode we were all talking that she's gonna be smart, and she's going to find a different way to get her way. and um I am I like it. I'm happy. I like her, and I like her. I guess she's conniving. I kind of I like her sneakiness,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I think for me, what was interesting is they keep upping the ante in terms of how bad these things are getting, like when we see the dog, that poor uh, just the raccoon and the dog being forced into they are
2: heathens in like the middle of the party like oh let's just bring a log in have these two animals fight in it it's just like like this is like high society this is what they do (laughs) like
1: yeah
0: it's ridiculous um Tori did you did you want to add to that
1: too no, I was just saying, like, these <laughs> poor animals cannot catch a break. First episode, it was a bear, this raccoon, and Loki the dog had to go through a traumatic experience, too. I was like, you know That's what? So- They're not pet lovers, for no, sure.
0: not at all. And so, poor Catherine. She obviously does not come from a society where they do this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love how they, uh, at one point, they make fun of her for being Austrian, um, which is interesting because the real Catherine was actually part of the Prussian um, d- dynasty, for lack of a better word. Um, she was born in Poland, was Prussian. And uh, there was, I mean, the re- well, yeah. So, not with, yeah, just to kind of add a little bit of history there. Um, but they do make that comment about her being Austrian, and that's why she is how she is. I was like, okay, fine, if they if that's what they want to say. Um, so we get to the point where, Catherine um, realizes that she's gonna need to approach Orlo and so she sets up a meeting and Marielle, thinking that this is, she needs to seduce Orlo, suggests that she eat oysters and drink and like act a certain way. And the scene was brilliant. I was like, okay, this is, it was so cleverly written and to see two people, one, of which is royalty, and the other who is in the the emperor's court to see how awkward it was. Uh, it was such, you would not expect that um, from two people who are in that place of power. Um, but uh, Tori, what do you think about that and what we saw?
1: It was a funny scene to watch, like her really trying to set herself up to do it. And I think like, even though it was hilarious, I was like, like you said, Rachel, we just kind of see, what an or cody one of you guys said said it how she's willing to put herself to the side to do something that's for a greater good because i mean we all know that she didn't want to do it but she was like okay let me eat these oysters you know it looks like she has no interest of eating an oyster ever again let me throw back these uh these glasses of champagne so that i can get this done and so i was just like oh that's so unfortunate but i think it kind of in a way, it's going to bring them closer, but it was so funny to watch because both of them were so bad at catching the <laughs> hands so I was just like, please, just at this point, put the champagne down and say, listen, this is my plan. Are you with it or not? Because- that awkwardness leading up to the question after she blurted it out in the garden, I was like, this is terrible. This is terrible. (laughs) It was so awkward, but it was also like, yeah, it was just so awkward.
0: And um, then we get to the next scene, which I thought was even more funny. Like last episode, I really wasn't laughing too much, even though I found everything amusing. This episode, I was laughing a lot, especially when we get to the moment where Peter is trying to basically, in his own odd way, Um, like have the olive olive branch between the two of them where he, they kind of figure out an arrangement. And the moment where Peter is like, touche. And I was like, no, he didn't just think that he said touche, did he? And like, and and Catherine's like, touche? Did you mean touche? And... Cody, what did you think of that scene in general uh, between Peter and Catherine?
2: <laughs> that moment was definitely chuckle-worthy. I, I <laughs> yeah. It got a good laugh out of me. Um, I did, I mean, I appreciate the scene. I see what Peter is going for, or at least trying to go for. Um, And I do like that Catherine, she was very open to it and accepting of it. And then, but I do like at the end, she still was like, mm, but no, I'm... I'm me and I'm going to do me to, I mean, eventually would have been to her demise, but she, it was, it was very nice that he took his aunt's advice to try and make her happy, even though he just doesn't get how to do that.
0: Yeah. And kind of going to Tori's point from the last um, episode where we had discussed that sometimes when you're in a certain place in society, you're a product of that. Um, kind of going off what you said, Tori, I feel like Peter is in the same situation where partially the reason he is the way he is is because of his upbringing, as we kind of started to learn um, with the cruelty and just the way that the family was, but also because he's been raised to believe that he is greatness and that he is the Mm -hmm. great, even if he's not Peter the Great. That was his father, (laughs) Uh, as pointed out by Catherine, or as pointed out by Peter really at the beginning of the episode. But um, what I found interesting, like you said, Cody, about this way Catherine's acting which it would have led to her demise. We get that scene while Peter's hunting with his men. (laughs) We get that scene where Peter does want to kill her and he reaches out to his Mm -hmm. uh, council and literally says, this is what I want to do. And surprisingly, um, the archbishop was actually saying he shouldn't do that. Cody, uh, what did you you think about that scene?
2: Um, I just thought it was such a, a a funny ironic twist to like that they're just both they've been married for I let's just say a month at this point, and they they are both planning to kill each other. <laughs> and um and it just further goes to show that like the way Peter is running his court is running this country is that it's my way or the highway. And as we said before, that's it goes into how he was raised and up and brought up by his apparently very cruel mother. And um I just felt the scene was more, I think it really had more of a comedic value to it. I don't know if it really drove the plot too much further, except for, we like I said before that Catherine finds, there are people who are more willing to be at her aid than just feel like, oh yeah, you know what, you're right. Let's kill her.
0: And um, Tori, how did you feel mm-hmm. watching all of this happen? Um, yeah I mean you know like Cody said it's kind of funny that they're both trying to kill each other at this point but Tori how did you feel about all this
1: yeah that was funny I was like oh I guess we'll just see who kills who who first Um, (laughs) you know how this is gonna happen um but also I think that some of her allies are also coming because of personal beliefs as well I mean the uh priest If he were to allow him to kill her and just kind of like go with the plan that she's not going to make him happy, that will go against what he said in the beginning. And then once he kills her, he would have no place for the bishop because I guess what he says isn't really valid or trustworthy at this point. It would kind of just go against everything and it just wouldn't seem like the right judgment. So I feel like he was also trying to protect his own place by saying that that wasn't the best option because he would, I mean, if we just look at it black and white, he would be next. You know, you told me that this woman was going to make me happy. She doesn't. So why should I trust anything else that you have to say, no matter if you feel like it comes from God or not? So I just knew that he was going to try to do anything in his power to keep his position. And then also, I think that we do kind of see that he doesn't necessarily want the Empress to die. Like, I don't think he's just doing this for completely selfish reasons, but I do think that all of his beliefs are coming together as one, and he's definitely going to try to help her out. So that was really interesting to see. And then we go down the line and, his, I guess she would be called his mistress, I guess, if that's what we're calling her, is the only person that agrees. It's like, girl, nobody really asked you for your opinion, if we're being honest here. And it was just so, I mean, it was, what makes it so funny is that we know that in a lot of these other pieces, kings, emperors, whatnot, have mistresses. Like, that's not a thing that we're not used to. But this, like, open, and, open relationship, he literally kisses her in front of her husband, was just like (laughs) so weird and I was like okay usually it's like excuse me usually it's like a little back closet or something I mean unless they have like a bastard child with the mistress that's the only time they really kind of come out in public so to see her just kind of like walking this line and having this like high up tower in the open in front of her husband I'm like wow this is hilarious to watch like it just makes it even funnier because it's so ridiculous.
0: Well, and it's interesting, too, because Catherine the Great, the HBO series, it was all mm-hmm. like just to like talk. I see the comparisons like they're, it's so interesting to me how these kind of line up that show. They obviously Catherine had a lot of, um, you know, lovers on the side. Um, she was mm-hmm. not married. And so after Peter died. And so when she took on a lover, though, she was very discreet about it. Um, And like when she was out in public with the people that she was sleeping with, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like what we're seeing in this show where uh, Peter's just openly like kissing Georgina right in front of her husband. And it's just to me, it's very interesting the way that we see these two different um, time periods um, Mm -hmm. related to the same person and just kind of like the other side with, you know, Peter and the way that he's just so... um, open about just doing whatever he wants. And I think that's part of the point is that this this person is just so conceited and his ego is so inflated that he does not even understand how this could affect other people. But yeah, Georgina just openly, just just willing, like just agreeing with him and it just so obviously agreeing with him because she just wants to make him happy and like suck up to him. Um, it, it was very, it was funny to watch. Um, Okay, so there was a bit of a side story here with Marielle. Um, And to me, this was not Mm -hmm. funny at all um, with her getting flogged um, by Lady Svenska and those guards. So obviously Lady Svenska didn't actually do the flogging, but um, she had her guards do this to her to put her in her place. And the fact that Marielle didn't even want people to know, but we kind of have the archbishop stepping up he seems to actually care a lot about her, um so Cody, what did you think of all of this
2: um it, it was it was because at first she, I didn't know where she like enters that room and it was like where is, where is she sneaking off to and it's I gathered quickly, I was like, oh, this is her old apartment in the palace, and that's like her old dog, and then then she leaves in the fit vlog and the archbishop He, um i've I'm not mistaken they're cousins. The two of them, and so mm-hmm. that which explains yeah, but why, which explains why that they she he cares for her so much, but um, there's definitely a sense of uh, Mary. Why can't I say her name, Mary? Mary L. Mary oh Mary L. It's easier than yeah. I thought it was. Um, <clears throat> she she definitely has a sense of pride, and she doesn't want, mm-hmm. and I think she's really trying to just not. Um she's not trying to make a fuss with her quote unquote demotion um it's I'm, i i like i said in the last episode i adore her she, i think she's who i'm i she's my favorite as of right now and so i'm um, i was very i really enjoyed seeing a little glimpse into her past and her character
0: awesome and um okay so we get we we do see that um marielle um she's very proud about even like she's very much ready to just go back. To work um what did you think of all of that Tori with Mariel just jumping back up and acting like nothing happened
1: I wasn't surprised honestly like I really wasn't into so just kind of go back to when she was caught I don't know if you guys caught it but when she was going into the room it kind of looked as if the camera was looking around the corner so I felt like somebody was watching her I just wasn't sure I wasn't sure if it was somebody watching her or if they just kind of went to play up the fact that she was sneaking to somewhere that she shouldn't have been so I was kind of curious like in the back of my head like hmm, I wonder if somebody's following her and unfortunately they were but I wasn't really surprised that she didn't really want to say anything because if she said something what was anybody going to do about it I mean she has we see the position that she has and we see the position that the lady who um, calls the guards on her has. And I just feel like it wouldn't have worked out in her favor, like her complaining about it wouldn't have really changed anything. And if it did, it probably would have changed it for the worse and she's already in a not so great situation. So I think she was just kind of like, I wasn't trying to make a fuss in the first place and I'm not trying to make a fuss now. I mean, she wasn't really sneaking around or trying to be nosy. She was just kind of checking on the place that she used to call home. And clearly nobody else is checking on the place because it looked a mess. So yeah. I think she just kind of was like, you know what? I wasn't trying to cause any trouble. I wasn't trying to find out anything. I wasn't trying to disrupt anybody's peace, and I'm not trying to do it now. She probably knows how word gets around. She probably knows that the lady is going to say something about their little like 20 second fight that they had. So I think it's just better. She just doesn't say anything and just kind of deal with it as it comes.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because so we have everything going on with Marielle, It's, this is when the Archibald actually tells Catherine through like, you know, metaphorical language that, oh, his vision from God, if, you know, there are, I don't know it verbatim, but it was basically like sharp knives were coming at her unless she was kind and then it would float away and leave her alone. And I, I, I did like the fact that this was his way of trying to warn her that she was going to be killed off if she didn't stop, um, acting, you know, showing her how she really felt. So I thought that was interesting and a good transition to the party where Catherine actually does start to act like she's happy. And what I found the most interesting is that when we get to that scene, Peter's aunt, who we saw earlier, who um, we mentioned who had told Peter to act nicer to Catherine, Peter's aunt has been training butterflies. And to me, especially when we're watching a satirical show like this one, Um, everything means something. It's like any form of art. So the fact that Peter's aunt is training the butterflies, I've never heard of anyone training butterflies. To me, (laughs) butterflies are untrainable. And so I think that was the whole point is that symbolically, the aunt was training the butterflies, the aunt swallows a butterfly. And to me, this was someone who is not supposed to be trained, a human being whose soul should not be trained. Um, this butterfly losing its soul because someone is training it into submission. And so I was like, you know what, This, I'm sure that's what they were going for because in a show like this, there's a reason there are butterflies and that they're, they're being taught to fly around in a certain way. Um, but we get to the party and there's Catherine tries, there's a dirty dancing scene where it's like Georgina gets pushed up into the air. Tori, what did you think about Catherine's new attitude and everything we saw in this moment?
1: Honestly, I was like, yes, I'm here for this survival tactic, whatever you have to do. I like how um, Mariel and bitch art, the Bishop are um, trying to censor what they say, but also make sure that she gets the message. Cause I think they're all pretty much great at talking in code because they've been there so long and they know if you say the wrong thing, somebody is listening behind you and is going to run back to the emperor or run back to somebody who's then going to run back to the emperor. So I like how she was just able to quickly adapt. And she's like, you know what? My plan isn't really going like I thought it was. And so this is what I need to do to survive. Like whether I like it or not, I need to suck it up. And honestly, when, um, taking it back to, I guess, the breakfast or lunch that he uh, prepared her with the strawberries and things like that, I thought that she was going to pretend to take the olive branch there because she kind of saw what was going on. But I think once the um, Bishop kind of told her, listen, this isn't just a be nice to keep the peace type of thing. This is a be nice to protect her own life. I think it's when she was really like, okay, I really don't have you know, the higher um, the higher end in this situation right here. So let me go ahead and play the game like I know it right now. And so I thought it was great. I was really hoping that she wasn't going to go in there and cause more trouble because, girl, we need you to rely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm with you, Tori. I thought that um, I actually did think it was a little ridiculous that she didn't accept the olive branch, like pretend to accept it for her own life, back mm-hmm. earlier in the episode when Peter offered it to her. When she was just like, no, this strawberry was is rancid, just like your offer. I was like, no, like this is the time where you try to pretend so that you can plot to kill this man who's so terrible to you. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, but Cody, um, we get to the moment when um, Catherine is really trying hard at this party. Um, the 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 party is in honor of a battle they won against um, the the Swedes and. Uh, they bring us. They bring in Swedish heads. Cody, what were your thoughts on this sequence?
2: Um, I had thoughts, but really quick, I just want to shout out to our chat. We have Hubby Joe, who, when we were talking about there, how the scene where he tells his the hunters that he wants to kill his wife, he says it is it is a happy marriage. It is the only thing they can agree on is killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was no. I was like, you're right. You're right. That's <laughs> good point hubby joe (laughs) thanks hubby joe (laughs) but the um that bringing the swedish heads in was so gnarly and it was so hard for Catherine to even like she you could just see she was like this is a very it was just such a moment where it's like she was she had to keep her poker face and it was it goes on there's so much like Maybe for this is the wrong word, but just like barb barbarianism in this castle. It's a like, great word, yeah. They do it's Yeah, like, I
1: think that's the right word.
2: It's yeah. absolute lunacy. And like like I said, I'm not a I am not a royal, I do not I'm not a part of high society. I <laughs> find it hard to believe that like these are the <laughs> actions that are like, oh, we're all just so rich and and have all this luxury. Let's let's just take our soul the dead soldiers' heads and put them on the plates while we eat dessert. Like that's that is sadistic like that's not the, i don't i just didn't get it and i it just and again it's just like everyone does what he says because he's the one in charge and he'll kill them so it's just i just thought it was so so bonkers and poor catherine having to do that and then she ripped things <laughs> eyes out because he says let's rip their eyes out it was just very gnarly very hard to yeah. very tough tough to stomach i was like eating my dinner as i was watching i was like oh, oh, no, this is not okay
0: <laughs> i can't eat
2: <laughs> yeah it
0: it was very hard to watch it um uh, obviously she's just trying to survive at this point i think what i find very odd is the fact that typically when we see someone behaving this way like okay to me i'm not gonna say Peter, Peter doesn't read to me as bad as Joffrey from Game of Thrones, but oh, uh-huh. it's the same kind of vein in the sense that <laughs> Joffrey was not a fighter. Like do not put that, per- like if he had to go to war, which he almost did once and they like hit him. Uh, I think like, obviously there are certain people that just, they don't know how to fight. And I don't see Peter being one of those people. And so for him to like be that bold, and you know, like you said, Cody, to be such a barbarian, yet he's not actually the one going out and fighting. Um, I, I think that just was even more of a testament to who he is. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, I do, I I love the word huzzah. So I'm here every time they say it. It's like okay, the great should have a drinking game. Take a shot every time oh we God. hear huzzah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, um, I just want to say. The line where Catherine said, like, that she's talking to Peter and they're trying to reconcile with each other, I guess. And Catherine says, You gave me a bear and have ceased punching me. What woman could not be happier? (laughs) I was like, Yes, that is exactly the way you should view marriage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he no longer punches you. This makes the marriage wonderful. So <laughs> Catherine goes um, just kind of kind of the segue to the end here. Catherine tries one more time to talk to Orlo I thought um, I'm gonna go around and ask you guys to what you think but Me personally when I when I was listening to Orlo speak and I was listening to Catherine and, and how Orlo was saying how I um, you just basically need to um, like how how important Russia is and how um there are just things you need to do in order to um, in order to survive, essentially, and that he couldn't be the bigger man that she wanted him to be. So much of what he said, it literally sounded like he could have been talking about um, a modern country and the way that people, things are, so changing and and things have been very rocky lately. It just was very, um, it felt very, like it felt very appropriate for today's world in Orlo's speech. Tori, what did you think of this final scene between Orlo and Catherine
1: before we get back to the beard? Um, it was. I mean, it just kind of speaks to what we've been talking about, and I like how you said that it um, kind of mirrors modern societies in modern countries and I think shows like this whether it be Game of Thrones whether it be Reign the Crown any of this kind of shows that nothing is really new like nothing that we've experienced is really new maybe like technology but that's about the one thing I'm talking about like in terms of leadership and um just the idea of how to lead people none of these ideas are new so I love when shows are showing us that um Showing the th- showing us the things that we need to value in order to make a city, civilization, country, whatever work. And so it was just kind of like I felt for um I almost want to call him Count Olaf and that's not his name <laughs> but I felt for him because like we said earlier, it's just kind of like you have to pick in this situation. Do I value my life or do I value this greater good that could possibly risk me my life? Like, am I willing to? stand on what I believe in or do I do what I've been doing for the past 10 years? And I think it's very it's very hard to get out of a comfort zone, whether it be standing up to an emperor or simply deciding to go to the gym and make it a habit. Like it's extremely, that's an uncomfortable thing to ask someone to do that they've been doing for 10 years. So now you've probably never stood up to an emperor before and now I want you to do it. And now I yeah. also want you to help me kill him. Like, mm, okay, that's a lot. Like that's not really what that's not really my role here you know you find your corner and you stay in it And so it was just kind of like I definitely understood what he was going through and I wasn't I wouldn't be surprised if he chose uh either or but yeah I just kind of feel like uh Catherine kind of has to understand that you're asking people who have found a way of life for 10 years to just up and change it because it's not right
0: yeah exactly I I love how you put that Tori um the thing with Orlo is he just he he loves words and he made that very clear in this conversation, but he also believes them to be very poetic and romantic and not reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's this tug of war between Orlo and Catherine. And um, we kind of, you know, we finally get to that end scene where um, things do not go for Orlo the way that he believes they're going to go, with all of the councilmen standing up and saying, Hey, um, just for this one thing. Don't make like don't make him shave, but things do not go the way that Orlo believes they're going to go, which I think is finally mm-hmm. what breaks him and makes him realize he needs to do something. Um, and we we know that uh, Peter gave him the knife and said you need to shave him. We don't know what happened between that point and when Orlo goes to Catherine's chambers, but presumably there was a fight and uh, there's blood all over. Um, Orlo when he arrives to see Catherine, what I loved about it and I, okay, I'm just gonna say I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And what I loved about this moment where Orla goes into the chamber and he sees Catherine is that all it is is a nod. And to me, like they, I know they didn't plan this on purpose, um, but in the Rise of Skywalker, there's an ending scene between the two characters where they literally just nod at each other and they know they're on each other's side and then the battle commences. And I feel like this is exactly what happened here, where Catherine and Orlo nodded at each other. No words were required between two people who love words. They just knew that now they were in battle together. Um, Mm -hmm. Tori, do you have any final thoughts about this episode before we move on to our special segment? Oh
1: yeah, like that little last scene was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. Like sometimes, and I know I just spoke about, being outside of your comfort zone and how hard it is and yes I still stand on that but there's sometimes it's that one little thing and it could be small it could be huge that just kind of wakes you up and he's like you know what this is not for me anymore and we weren't really sure what that was going to be for him because previously we kind of just felt like he was just going to play the back and just kind of like do what he's been doing but in that moment I think he was just kind of like you know what i made my decision and this isn't it. So I, I love that little exchange. And like you said, because they love words so much, I think the stare was even more important because no word could have really equated to how they felt in that moment. So I loved how it was just kind of like a silent, like you said, head nod. And just kind of to go back to that whole Game of Thrones reference, We saw Joffrey do some crazy things. And I think there's just parallels that once you're in power, you just do whatever you want to do. Like Joffrey cut a cake with live birds in it just because he could. Killed half the birds, still ate the cake just because he could. And I think that, I know I was talking to you guys off camera about how a lot of these empires and leaders are a lot younger than sometimes we remember them to be when we're looking at history. And so to just see these naive men or even just naive leaders Trying to figure out how to defend a country, lead a country, feed a country is just kind of like essentially you guys are all teens or came into power when you were a teen. And so it's so interesting seeing what all of these leaders do with that power. And I think that's why we see some of these barbaric or ridiculous things, because it's like giving a kid free will to just roam through a candy shop and just letting them do whatever. Of course, they're going to do something that as an adult or a person with a same brain in mind wouldn't do. But that's, that's how I feel like I'm looking, that's what I feel like I'm looking at is, it, it makes it funnier, but it also puts into perspective why some of the things happen in history that they did.
0: Awesome. So we have, um, we're running out of time here. So um, just for time's sake, let's jump to our news segment. Um, Tori, um, you have some news to share. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. And I'll keep it short again for running out of time. But fun fact, I don't know if Um, some of the viewers know, but Elle Fanning is the younger sister of Dakota Fanning, who we also love and have seen on the screen, and they've never been on screen together. Now, they were in the same movie once, and Elle Fanning played the younger version of Dakota Fanning, but they've never actually been on the screen at the same time, and so in the upcoming movie by Kristen Hanna, well, based off of her book, um, The Nightingale, they're actually going to play relatives, I want to say siblings, yeah, they're going to play siblings on the screen, so that's going to be interesting, and that's also going to be their. home time, so we can definitely, you know, keep an eye out for that, but I thought that was really cool, because I've always seen them, of course, us growing up, they're watching movies and shows, but we never seen them together, so this would be a fun time for us to see that.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, and um, okay, mm-hmm. let's very quickly get to our lightning-fast predictions. <laughs>
1: Ooh, I feel cool. like you never know with this one. Your oh. after
0: buzz And I'm just going to um, go to Tori. Would you like to go first? Well, <laughs> what are your predictions uh, for?
1: Sure. Let's see. What do I think is going to happen? I don't like, we know that Peter is going to die, but we don't know like when. And a part of me kind of feels like it's going to happen soon. I don't know. Like, I just feel like we're leading up to it, but I definitely think, let's see. I think that they're going to finally figure out a plan like uh, Mariel, Catherine, the Bishop, uh, Oh. oh Olaf, for lack of understanding. Um, I think they're definitely gonna put together their master plan now that everyone's on board. And I think they're also going to like slowly rope more people in. Like, I don't think it's just gonna stop with them. I think it's gonna be a like big group effort. Maybe not the ladies, cause they don't really seem like they're into that sort kind of thing. But everybody else is definitely gonna figure out a way to make this, make this happen because he's not it.
0: Awesome, and uh, Cody, what are your predictions?
2: Um, similar, similar to Tori's, um, I do think Catherine, like, cause her, cause, um, let to call him Jeffrey. Um, uh, <laughs> Peter, was Peter. like, oh, you should, you should take a lover and I think she will. Um, I think it'll probably be his, I don't, I'm not going with the names yet. The woman who's married that he is currently having an affair with, oh, I think it's going to be Gregor, her husband. Gregor, I was
1: thinking that too. I think
2: Gregor. We haven't seen them really interact much yet, but I. that's kind of, um, I think, a logical thing. And then that's going to really stir the pot with all four of them, just in like a marriage mm-hmm. sexual way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that all, oh, not Olaf, what is his name? Um, Orlo. Just, Orlo. Orlo. Um, I meant to say this last episode and then watching the beginning of this episode kind of made me think it more. I think Orlo is, I think he's a homosexual. So I think I don't, I don't really see them ever having a thing. I, But I, that's something I kind of felt in the first episode. And then when they had that awkward seduction scene, I was like, <laughs> this is sort of checking out in my book. But we'll see how that goes down. Awesome. And, um, that's kind so- of all I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> cool.
0: Um, so I'm just gonna really fast say I don't think we're gonna see Peter um, die early on. I think we're gonna, it's gonna be toward the end. In real life, he didn't die until 1762, so it's we have a while. <laughs> um, and so, well, does that really matter
1: in the No, show? not really. <laughs> but
0: I I don't know. Like so. Also, though, I do want to see her hook up with Orlo, um, just because I, I feel a chemistry between them. Um, personally, so I would be down for that if it happened. I just wanna say <laughs> one more thing. Um, we'll the, the creator of The Great, Tony McNamara, actually has a podcast called Write On and it's all about um, the script with the, about The Great. So if you would like to catch more about um, the process and the writing process uh, specifically with the show, you can catch his podcast online. All right, so that about winds down our show
1: for today. Tori, where can everybody find you? Yes, you guys can find me on Instagram at Toxic Model or you can find me on Twitter at Tori with two E's. I've also written some articles for AfterBuzz, so if you just want to click around the website, go check out some of my writing.
0: Awesome, and Cody, where can everyone find you?
2: I am on Twitter as Cody underscore F, and on Instagram as Cody F.
0: Awesome, and... Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman, or you can find me pretty much anywhere at at Rachel Radner, which is my pen name for my writing. You can find my books on Amazon, uh, as well as my articles on AfterBuzz TV's website. Um, Yeah, if you want to check out any of my writing. So uh, we will catch you guys tomorrow. I believe we're recording two more episodes. Um, I will not be on the show uh, tomorrow, but I'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Until then...